0: Who's going to win the Kentucky Derby? We have a panel of experts here with us who help us winnow down the contenders and give you some things to think about as you watch and perhaps try to profit from the race. It's our Handicapping the Derby show, and it's next here on In the Gate. They're in the gate.
1: They're in the gate. In the gate.
0: They're in the gate. It's a head bobbing finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on the pink Podcatcher app on your phone. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And a reminder, we post in the gate just about each and every week of the year. We try to gear it for a casual audience. We know you're not hardcore racing fans, that's okay. We get serious when we have to, have fun when we can, and try to get at the heart of what matters now, in the big picture, in thoroughbred racing. And if you subscribe to our podcast in the places we just mentioned, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn.com, that pink podcatcher app on your phone you probably didn't even know you had, and of course the ESPN app, you'll automatically have the newest show delivered right to you. Who knows, you might learn something, and if you're not careful, you might just like it. So who's going to win the Kentucky Derby? We have an expert panel here to help us break the race down. We have James Scully from the Brisnet Handicapping Service. We also have Gabby Gaudet, who is a handicapper and racing analyst with Gulfstream Park, with the Maryland tracks of Laurel and Pimlico, and she spends the summers on the New York simulcast at Saratoga. And for the first time ever in the six years we've done this podcast, we have tried so hard to get him, and his schedule has just not worked out. We have sitting beside us here in studio, the bear himself, Chris Felica. You know him from College Game Day. Are you ready to do this? I've
2: never done this before. I'm scared.
0: (laughs) Well, let's start with the weather. James and Gabby are down there. Talk to me about the weather forecast and how that's going to impact what we're going to see. Let's start with Gabby.
3: Uh, well, the weather has not been very kind to us, and I will say it's been hard to keep up with, especially, you know, the different avenues. The local uh, news channel says one thing, and then you look at another weather app, they, it says another thing. And the forecast looks rainy for Oaks Day and chillier weather. And as we get to Derby Day, it looks like there might be some morning showers, but cooler So fingers crossed that, you know, it's a little bit better than what they might be calling for.
0: Now, James, the strip at Churchill Downs, to me, is the best maintained strip in the country. So how much do you put into that and how much do you think the wetness is going to affect the race?
1: I'll echo what uh, Gabby said. And as well with the forecast, it looks like there could be, if maybe a light shower, it might be early in the day. It could be clear all day Saturday, or at least not raining. And if that's the case, the track will undoubtedly be be fast. Like you said, it's like one of the fastest growing tracks in the country, and they will be working on that track all night long on Friday if they can and all morning Saturday to make sure it dries out as fast as possible so I'm still optimistic that it's going to be a fast track now it won't be a firm turf but I do think there's a good chance for a fast
0: track there there have been so few of these prep races run on wet tracks so how can you possibly make sense of how that's going to affect this
2: I mean, like Gormley won the yeah. Sham. I think it was on a on a on a sloppy track. It wasn't the best of fields, but at least he's shown he can overcome that. The Classic Empire last year, has one race is on a sloppy track, so he's shown he can overcome that. But uh, if it is wet and if it is off, depending on what the weather does. It's strange. You just never know how that's going to affect the race. I mean, you've seen the biggest fluke win ever in a derby, a mind that bird, come up the rail on the slop. You've seen Smarty Jones freaking the slop and air on the front end. And you've seen Super Saver come up the rail. You've seen Orb come splashing down the center of the track. So I don't know if you can definitively say if it'll help specifically someone on the front end or someone from off the pace.
0: Well, if that's the case, Gabby, I think we just throw all that out and say, who do you like here? Yeah.
3: It has been Probably one of the most difficult um, derbies that I've been a part of in that, you know, the ups and downs, the roller coasters and some of these horses. And it's several and it's still happening. I mean, of course, months ago, it started to happen with Classic Empire, who is now your current derby favorite. But now it's starting to happen with, you know, practical joke training with blinkers on and then taking them off and always dreaming, changing of equipment to the draw range so far this week, Gervin with the, the foot issue and, and obviously changing uh, the shoes. So there's been a lot going on. So I think even if you are thinking about changing your pick because of how the track conditions may be, I that might have to go out the window. You just have to... Stick with your gut. And that's kind of what I've been doing. So I have a two-tiered approach this year's Derby. One, I'm sticking with horses who I've liked all along, despite some of the ups and downs that they've had from the beginning of the Derby prep season. And... Two, I'm also paying attention to how these horses have been acting and training in the morning, and I'm taking that into consideration. And I actually have changed my mind about two particular horses in a positive way, one negatively. All that said, I'm still sticking with Classic Empire.
0: The champion Classic Empire
1: is fifth, but he's only two from the front. They run towards the top of the stretch, and Malagasy has a short lead. Conquest Mo Money comes right back at him and actually retakes the front classic empire two and a half to make up conquest mo money and malagasy they are right together here comes classic empire trying to run down the new leader malagasy malagasy conquest mo money here's the champ classic empire it is conquest mo money classic
3: empire i've liked him he's run the fastest race um, is a juvenile champion. He's had excuses out of the holy bowl. Um, I think on his good day, he is the most talented horse in the field. That said, he's obviously had his hiccups. But Guevara, this is a horse who I've I've liked throughout as well. And talking about those three horses that I've changed my mind about this week, I don't necessarily like Always Dreaming as much given his antics that he's pulled since coming to Churchill, but I've actually really liked how Irish War Cry and Practical Joke have been training in the morning. So on top, Classic Empire is still sticking with them, but other than that, I could talk for days about some of the other contenders.
0: Well, the thing is, James, I haven't been on site, as you guys have, but I've been watching online the morning workouts, and she may like Gunna Vera, but he looks like he's been walking around the track. He looks like a tired horse. What do you make of him?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really my main concern is that, you know, his best race, the fountain of youth, you know, he's perhaps a little bit over the top after that. And I, I echo those sentiments, you know, another p- issue that I have with him is while he could be classified as a deep closer, he just doesn't get out of the gate very well. And that's not a, something you want to see in a 20 horse field. And I just think he's going to leave himself a lot to do. You know, I try to keep an open mind through the final preps. And I just thought always dreaming Florida Derby was the best race of the year by a three-year-old male.
2: Always dreaming after to by John, V second. Ganavera's into fifth, but still a long way off the lead. And the lead is now held by Always Dreaming. Always Dreaming. Set down for the drive by John Velasquez. And he's moving away. State of Honor is up into second. An impressive edge. Ganavera, too little, too late. But inside the 16th pole, the 2017 Florida Derby to Todd Pletcher. And Always
1: Dreaming. They won it by four in the end. You know, I love the fact that he didn't run super fast in his early season preps. So many of these Pletcher horses get to the Derby, and they've got two or three blazing races, and then they don't show up with their best effort. And I think always dreaming has another step forward. Now, there is a major concern with those draw reins. How will he react not having them on and on Derby Day? But I've watched his races, all five of them, over and over. He's always been a perfect customer in those races a perfect pupil and uh you know even in those races early this year he wasn't running off when he could have i think another horse that wasn't as versatile as him would have run off in the early stages he got squeezed on the first turn of the florida derby didn't lose his mind then i'm optimistic he gets a front running trip and you know he's going to overpower him in the stretch
0: you know as part of his duties his day job here chris felica is one of the best researchers we have in this place and makes a note that classic empire could go off as one of the longest price favorites in derby history so are you looking for a long shot or do you like the better price sources
2: i'm certainly going to be looking for an overlay over uh, or for a price you know I, I hate you know how we all have at the track that one friend acquaintance gambler who we we, we dub the mush my mush, my friend, he's all over Gunnavera. I mean, he got Lady Eli beat at Keelan a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> you, you, you might want to re, re reevaluate your opinion on, on Gunnavera because this guy is is terrible. But I, I could certainly see him uh, being a factor late if indeed he's able to bounce out of the workouts, which have been subpar. But I, I'm looking for prices at, at least um, to, to fill out the lower rungs of the exotics. Um,
3: hence and little, in defense, I'll chime in here quickly, in defense – for, you know, Gunnivera. I've watched him this week. I watched his workouts. I've watched him since before the Holy Bull. And I actually went to Gulfstream Park West and I spent weeks with Antonio Sano, you know, getting to know the horse, watching him train in the morning. That's just how he goes. He's lethargic. Like, you have to really ask him to leave the barn, you have to ask him to get around there, um, you have to ask him to breathe. He's just never like a spirited horse. He's just, oh, he does what he needs to do at the end of the day and that's it. I do think he's got stamina though I don't necessarily think he's got that big late punch so I agree the pace will probably have to collapse but you want to see changes in horses leading into the derby I have not seen a change in Gunavera I have seen a change in Always Dreaming and you guys make a good point because Always Dreaming he is so cool in the stall. He's like an amazing horse to be around. He's a smart horse and he's never been rank in the afternoon and that's why I think it's a little discouraging that he's suddenly done this now coming to Churchill because he's been training at Palm Beach Downs, a completely different environment than Churchill.
2: Uh, that, that, that's good to know about, about Gunnavera because I, I think of the, the human interest stories and the casual fans that you get to the sport uh, on Derby weekend and Triple Crown season. Uh, the, the story of Antonio Aseno and and that barn, and Javier Castellano potentially winning his first Derby—that uh, that certainly would be very high on the list of uh, popular post-race stories.
0: James Scully, I have a question. Why is it that in the last five or six years, it seems like the horses coming out of Louisiana have all been overlooked? Whether it was Gun Runner, who finished third last year, Commanding Curve, who has a big long shot finished second in 2014 revolutionary was third in 2013 Nero finished second you have Gervin, who won his last two races at 15 to 1 what am I missing here
1: well I mean I think Gervin is definitely a big concern with him is his foot I mean he's had some foot issues now I will say along the you know even before that popped up those races were a little bit... I mean, they weren't the fastest press this year, the Risen Star and the uh, Louisiana Derby and the even the Comp to start off. So I, I just think that there's a sense that the better horses have been competing you know, elsewhere in other circuits. And, you know, that was last year. You have to give Gunrunner credit. And, and like you said, Revolutionary ran well. But they, they, they did have their supporters. I think they were a little bit more well-backed than uh, Gervin And I think a lot of people who did like Gervin have uh, jumped ship as well due to his recent foot issues,
0: but he worked out at five furlongs going fifty nine and three fifths seconds. That <laughs> yeah. seems like a
1: pretty. good I know, work. I know that he got him. He got him to that work, but I mean, and I'll ask Gabby this, but I mean, the, the big thing that I've really heard is. I mean, he's he swam on Monday, and just from talking to people, I don't think anybody's ever heard of a horse swimming on Derby Week. That's like more of a therapeutic, like treatment, you know, where you have more time between starts. So, definitely, I think you know he's lightly raced with the room to for to, for improvement, but there's a lot of uh, doubt surrounding whether he'll be 100. percent
3: I agree with everything that you just said because I think that. Swimming horses definitely is more of a therapeutic type of thing. I mean, it's not really going to get a horse fit. Definitely not as fit as training would, obviously. There have been many horses that have foot issues going into big races you know we can historically go through them all i think unbridled song you have even more recently i believe arrogate has sometimes struggled with some foot issues um he apparently has had foot issues since before the risen star he would go on to win the risen star and the louisiana derby so a lot of horses They switch shoes. They try to relieve the pressure if they have a a quarter crack or an abscess. And, you know, you just have to manage it, just as Todd Pletcher is trying to manage always dreaming and and having an equipment change. I don't like the fact that he did have to swim, though, the Monday. You don't want to have too many hiccups going into derby week. Um, It just gives the – I think this is a pretty level playing field. And it gives him a disadvantage and everybody else that much more of an edge.
0: We're going to take a short break here on Indigate, but when we come back, final predictions from our expert panel. It's Handicapping the Derby. Don't go away. Gabby Gaudette, James Scully, and Chris Valica are with us here for Handicapping the Derby on In the Gate. Now, Bear, I am not at Churchill Downs, and... I'm not actually, you know, witnessing the workouts in person, but I'm seeing them online, and I never thought much of hence for Steve Asmussen, but he looks gorgeous. What do you make of Hence as a closer? Do you like closers, especially if it rains?
2: I I certainly wouldn't have anything. I mean, it's certainly going to just factor how the track plays that day and what the pace is like up front, but I think with Fast and Accurate, I think with Always Dreaming, uh, I think State of Honor, I, I think there are horses... That are going to be on or near the lead to make it, uh, maybe not lightning fast, but I think faster than I think a lot of people are anticipating. I, I mean, hence is a horse that has won what I guess is the key prep of the season. I mean, he, he dominated the race. Uh, I mean, if you like Classic Empire, I mean, don't you have to like handsome I mean, Classic Empire basically had to get to the bottom to beat a horse that balked behind balked at the starting gate in Arkansas. Cut out all the fractions, and he was all out to get past him in the final couple of jumps. Hence won that race by daylight out in, in New Mexico. He also beat Irap, who who won the the Bluegrass. And whether you want speed bias or not, uh, the, the way Hence has looked and the, and the way he's kind of come into his own, uh, I, I absolutely think he is a horse that uh, might be around fifteen fifteen to one or so. Uh, I think he's a must use in, in, in the exotics. I do worry a little bit now that. He might become that wise guy horse every year that gets the buzz on the backstretch because how well he's looked and people reading between the lines with that Uh performances. I still, regardless of that, I still think he's a use. I want
0: to. I think he's
1: undoubtedly going to be that wise guy horse. But I will point out that he did get a perfect trip. They were blazing up front in that Sunland Derby, and I'll give you another horse that had that exact same trip, and it's Jay Boy's Echo in the Gotham. And then he came back and ran a you know a well beaten fourth in the Bluegrass, and has really fallen out of favor. So there is like un- Classic Empire has all this proven back class. Hence, had never done anything before that race. So there is a little bit of a sense of. You know, can he reproduce it?
2: Hey, let me, while you mention the bluegrass, let me ask uh, you and Gabby the same question. What, how are you treating the bluegrass? Are you just going to throw the race completely out in terms of how you look at McCracken, J-Boy's Echo, and Taprit, and and that race is a whole practical joke? Or do you think that there's something there? Because I'm, more, I'm inclined to just completely throw the race out.
3: I agree. I mean, going into the bluegrass, handicapping it, it was pretty apparent that there was a lack of pace on paper and IRAP took advantage of that.
0: Long shot IRAP has the lead. McCracken is still fourth. Taprit is fifth on his outside. Let's see what they can do. They've got to catch long shot IRAP at the top of the stretch. Who leads it by two legs? Practical Joke second. McCracken third. Taprit fourth on the outside. J-Boys Echo in fifth. Here's McCracken storming up on the outside. IRAP is fighting on, and practical Joke is in between those two. Final furlong of the toy bluegrass i with the lead practical joke giving all he's got i 31 to 1 wins the toy on the
3: bluegrass with julian leperu aboard and i think he had enough left in the tank to turn back practical joke who as i said has looked fantastic this week i don't think he wants to go this far i i could see him maybe being a force turning back to you know one-turn distances in the future, just given his pedigree. So IRAP, easy on the front end, held back a horse that probably wants to go a little bit shorter. McCracken, of the Bluegrass, I wouldn't completely toss it because I think that it's valuable information. I Of that race, I would prefer McCracken just because he's got the proven back class. Ian Wilkes and Carl Nassar, they're known to not fully crank a horse until you know, until it's derby time, until it's go time. So I wouldn't hold that against McCracken too much. Jay boys Echo completely agree with the analysis of the Gotham. He had a beautiful setup. He didn't get that setup in the Bluegrass, so that's the way that I kind of analyze the Bluegrass.
0: I love McCracken. To me, he is the winner of this race. I completely agree with the. Eden I couldn't Jones.
2: believe he was five to one on the morning line. I couldn't believe he was that short though.
0: I understand that because of the physical problems that he's had, but that horse is an absolute monster, and he's proven it at Churchill Downs. So where are you going, folks? Let's start with the bear.
2: I'm going to go with Irish War Cry. I I love the people who are just going to say, "Oh, no one's ever won from post 17, so he can't." Well, you we said the same thing about Big Brown in 2008. No one's ever won from post 20. He can't win. I'll have another. He he's in post 19. He can't win. He's won on multiple tracks. He's won on the lead. He's won just rating. He's won from far back. He's looked great. He's worked great. I think he's drawn ideally outside. And I think of all the contenders in the race, at least all those four horses that are single digit odds, I'm most confident that he's going to run his race. I think he's least likely to disappoint. I think he'll be there at the end. If I have to pick a horse to win, I'll pick him. But but I I do think he will be a major player on Saturday.
0: Well, he is the only horse of all of these that has two, what you would call two big efforts yep. in the Holy Bull and the Wood. Only that,
2: one only one in the race with two triple-digit buyers.
0: James, what do you like here? Well,
1: I like Oyster way and I'm going to go. My three price horses are Practical Joe, Taprette, and uh, state of honor, and I just think you know state of honor is eligible. i mean the, the real the real issue that uh, you know is i, I don 't think anybody can say for sure is how fast the pace is going to be and i 'll give you an example uh, last year with Dan candy he went forty five a change on the lead, but he was a need to lead type. I see a lot of these speed horses in this field now, one of them could come out and Completely just hellbent and you know, and and this all goes out the window. But a lot of these front running types like to sit second and third. And in California Chrome's Derby and America Ferris Derby, they went forty seven and change. And I'm just, you know, I'm a little bit leery that there's a chance the pace won't be that hot. And I think State of Honor has a chance to outrun his odd with the odds with a good front running trip. And and I'll agree with the the bluegrass. I think Tappert is really coming around uh, that race for him as a throwout. I look for him to run well, uh, hopefully from mid-pack instead of being way far back.
0: State of Honor has invisible ink written all over him, potentially.
2: I was saying before, can I get a Belmont future on Tappert right now?
0: <laughs> Gabby, where are you going?
3: I'm going to go to Classic Empire. Had his fair share of hiccups throughout his entire career. and. He just prepares himself to to run his best race and even dating back to after the hopeful when he pulled his antics in the afternoon with IRAD. He prepared himself enough to be able to go from technically six furlongs in the Bashard Manor to run and win the Breeders Fraternity at Keeneland going two turns for the first time, Um, would go on to win the Breeders' Cup. Um, Holy Bull, obviously, the big excuse there was him coming, A, completely washing out, shipping down to Gulfstream. And I saw it before the race. I was very, very worried. I had never seen this horse like this in his entire career, and something is up. So he came out of there a little bit of a foot issue. Everything, you know, they made some changes to Martine. They switched riders. They took him to Ocala. And you can just see the respect, the mutual respect that happens between rider and horse every day. He's behaving, knock on wood. He's coming into the race fantastic. So he's going to do it for me. I, of course, talking about Gunna Vera, I, I've liked him. I thought he was up against it in the Florida Derby way, way too far back and Always Dreaming obviously had the tactical advantage. I think he's one to come closing late, but I will say, too, I agree that I think State of Honor is going to outrun his odds just because of the pace scenario. I think they've, the connections were fast and accurate, so they're going to try to send him, I guess, quarter horse out of there, get into position, and Always Dreaming is probably going to be forwardly placed. and I think State of Honor is going to sit a perfect trip, and he really hasn't done much wrong. He's a big, strapping horse. He's 17-1. But a lot of people are saying, you know, limitations of distance and he's by to honor and serve on the bottom side of the family. They didn't want to go too far. So I guess that would be uh, a little bit of a concern. So I don't know. I on top classic empire you can get really creative underneath so i mean i'm not even talking about irish war cry irish war cry
1: sidles up alongside of battalion runner midway on the fire turn and irish war cry pokes ahead in front irish war cry on the outside's got a neck in front Battalion Runner all out, second on the inside, four links back to Cloud Computing. Irish War Cry's in front because they come to the final 16th. Battalion Runner's not going with them. Then comes Cloud Computing, down to the line. Irish War Cry has won the Wood Memorial under Rajiv Mirage.
3: The horse that I thought has thrived since coming... Uh, to Churchill and really has thrived since Rajiv got on him. I love how he responded to Rajiv in the woods, just kind of stalking the pace. That's what we saw from his workout at Fair Hill. And he's just been really energetic in the mornings here. So, oh, guys, this is is a tough field, but I'm going with Classic Empire on top.
0: I've stopped worrying about breeding because wasn't Beholder by Henny Hughes? Mm-hmm. So I'm done worrying.
2: Mm-hmm. Wasn't Nyquist's wasn't bottom side basically a Louisiana bred sprinter who was a claimer? Yeah.
1: I don't think anybody in America Pharaoh's first two or dams won it two turns. You know, there was all the speed on his female family. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to, you know, really, you know, gauge that. And I think that the trend has been a lot of these middle distance horses are, you know, now eligible to get a mile and a quarter. And it's, it's hard to put too much stock in uh, the analysis that a horse isn't going to get the distance, you know, uh, well, at least for a lot of
0: these horses. Our thanks to Chris Felica, to Gabby Godet, and to James Scully. We hope we've given you some things to think about. Now it's your turn to go out and watch and perhaps profit from the Kentucky Derby. Remember, we do this podcast almost each and every week of the year, bringing you what matters now in the big picture in thoroughbred racing. You can catch us on our YouTube channel. You can get us on SoundCloud. You can get us on iTunes, TuneIn.com, that pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had, you can, of course, get us on the ESPN app. For the full In the Gate experience, subscribe there in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. We'll be back after the Derby with a wonderful interview with a 12-year-old thoroughbred owner named Hannah Schlake. And what's even cooler is that most of the questions come from people her own age. That'll be after the Derby, but for now, that's In the Gate. I'm Barry Abrams. Have a wonderful Derby weekend.